With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, all cheaters. Welcome to the LS Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Josh, all things considered. I mean, uh, we'll talk about Game Week 7 and how, from a fantasy perspective, it may or may not have been an unmitigated disaster. But <laughs> yeah, the fact that yeah. the, the the last taste we have in our mouth is that Liverpool-Manchester City match. And in real life, what more could you possibly ask for from yeah. uh a day's football match like absolutely absolutely brilliant match yeah. it really was you know the first half was cagey and uh but interesting and then the second half was uh wide up and i think probably because they wore each other out i mean it was it was so um you know just the, the you know just the defensive work in the first half was was so intense on both sides yeah. that i think it you know allowed for some openings but but the but the you know the by extra time of that match it was like both teams were getting like just you know open like you know just like counterattacks where they were just like like bearing down and i think it was just the the energy was was uh was was so high and uh you know but anyway it was really really fun match and and yeah it was it was a good way to end the first seven weeks right we're about to go on an international break uh sadly in some, some ways sadly in some ways good because um i think that uh, i feel like i needed a little bit of a reset i, mm-hmm. I had a really uh honestly i had a terrible game week i had a really bad game week and uh, on kind of two levels like one um, one was that I just, it just didn't go well. Um, and two is that I was debating two moves and one move would have netted me like 20 points and one cost <laughs> me like 20, you know, so I had like, so I was like, it like went bad, like kind of comprehensive sort of like, you know, if you, if you think of like the, the season, mm-hmm. um, as I sometimes do, especially in the first half of the season, it's sort of in these, um, international break increments, right. Where you've got yeah. game weeks one through three or four, whatever it is, game weeks, four through seven, uh, eight through 11 and so on. Um, and I had a bad four through seven. Now it, it does not necessarily, it's not necessarily reflected in my overall rank. I think I actually went into game week four around 56,000 or something like that. And I'm going into game, I'm going out of game week seven at like 68,000, but it didn't feel that way. And to that point, I think, what we've experienced the last three, two to three game weeks is people have, it was like a blockbuster of an opening of a, of a season and it was green arrows and it was, um, lots of fluctuation. And I agree, like in my, my rank as well, even though I feel like I've had, we've all had bad game weeks, our rank has been relatively stable. The, the issue is as always cheating would say the lack of fun and we we have we haven't just jumped or or really fallen back there everything is just kind of flatlined a bit with FPL yeah. going into this break so i think that that's something that we need to keep in mind it's not necessarily that uh you know it, it, 
we need to go to battle stations or everything or anything like that. It's just there's been a yeah. bit of a flat line. It's weird because I, and I agree with you, except it feels so different than last year. Right. Because there's the the like you just brought up Liverpool Wednesday, like the matches are good. The the drama. Right. Like the Ronaldo and the and the Champions League matches like the, the football has been good. Right. So I'm, I'm still enjoying myself. And you even like, and there's just like drama, like you, you have your typical, I mean, the, you know, right. At, as we record this, there's a, there's a lot of kind of really ugly drama happening with like, like a, a DDoS attack on, on, yeah. um, on, a, on a major fantasy web, you know, on the, on the hub uh, website, mm-hmm. which is really uh, a bummer. And I feel really bad for, for everyone involved there, but you know, like just, so there's like a lot, there's lots going on, you know, but um, the actual, like the, the fantasy points have not been, uh, <laughs> have not been coming. And I think for me, I, I you know, I think that I'm going to take these two weeks off and uh, you know, I had tweeted yesterday. I was, I was, I was just really, I mean, I, I took a minus eight and it, it just, you know, it was like, I felt like the minus eight I brought in, it was like, I had like a, pair of queens pre-flop three times and all three times i lost you know yeah. it was like it was just sort of like yeah. i lost the hand it was just like i had like i put myself in a position um you know like i i my starting hands were good and um they it just didn't come through you know three times in a row and they all happened in the same two hour block and it was kind of like it just felt like a little bit of like a punch in the nose and i and of course you know being the person that i am i just don't um i have like no um uh, patience, composure, right. I was just like <laughs> patience, yeah. whatever. I was just like, I was just like, this sucks. I hate this. I hate fantasy sports. What am I even doing? Maybe it's time to be done with, you know, I was just like going way too far. And, yeah. uh, and then, uh, Jonathan, it was actually funny because uh, Jonathan Mahler, who's one of our uh, Patreon supporters, uh, tweeted, he's like, this is, like, I think he says, you know, he's like, even by your standards, this is pretty dark. And I was like, <laughs> mm. and he was like, yeah, you should just get out. You should just get outside. And I, 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 you know, it was funny because I left shortly thereafter for a wedding. And as I was driving to this wedding, um, I got uh, clean sheets from Ben White and Sanchez, which kind of saved my my hundred k rank basically. Um, and I got to the wedding, and the wedding was uh, the father of the bride uh, was apparently he was a school principal or something like that, and he. Uh, you know, before the first dance with uh, with his daughter, he gave this uh, kind of long and, and thoughtful and beautiful speech. And he was just like a real like a, a kind of person you want to be. Right. You know, just like the way like his 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 sort of character and and all that stuff. <laughs> kind of and, kind of guy who makes you want to be a better man. A little bit. Yeah. And as he was doing this, I, I swear to God, I thought to myself, this is not a person who's writing angry tweets at 11 a.m. over fantasy sports, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, be more like that guy, you know, have some perspective. And so it yeah. was, you know, and so I, I kind of came into that. And so this today, I mean, I basically had every, like I had nothing to gain from today, right? I, I had Salah, but I didn't have him captained. I had um, Antonio, I didn't have him captained. They're both around 100% uh, effective ownership. So, uh, I, you know, things could only, and granted, like there weren't that many high ownership players to play today, but still, like it was kind of like, today was only going to get worse. And, um, but I kind of came into it with a better attitude. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, just, I'm just going to get like plow through it, you know, and just, and just sort of like not get angry about this anymore. Cause I just don't want to be that person. And so yeah. it actually worked. And so there is like a kind of mind over matter, uh, thing that you can do when you're not having the most fun. And so I'm hoping that the next two weeks, you know, next weekend, I, I, I like really threw my hat over the fence with, with stuff. I've got like movie tickets. We, we have like Apple picking like spot reserve. I'm like, I'm going to like get out of the fantasy sphere yeah, right. and, and, and respect. So yeah. yeah. But How about to, you? Yeah, well, uh, to go back to your poker analogy of uh, pocket queens uh, bef- pre-flop and, and you have to trust how are you going to play those cards and 
I've talked about this analogy on numerous always cheating podcasts about systems and moments. And there are managers who set their teams out in a system. And often games are decided uh, by not by those systems, but by certain moments. And the, the issue that we keep running into is systems don't always determine the moments. So when the goal goes in or the goal doesn't go in, you feel like you have to uh, either blame it or accredit the system for that happening. Well, honestly, mm-hmm. you can set up the system as best you can, but you are ultimately uh, subject to the moments that are happening. And so when you've got those right. pocket queens, you don't know what the flop is going to be, and the flop could absolutely annihilate you. When you have Chelsea double defense going into Stamford Bridge against Southampton, what is that flop going to be? And in game week seven, it was it was not great. But so I, I think yeah. coming out of game week seven, we're in a situation where we have to really ask ourselves how much do we trust the system that we have built with our fantasy squads now? And I think that's something we can talk about in this episode yep. is you know and we're going to review what the story is so far through game week seven and fpl is the system yep. fantasy wise that we've created up to this point actually working and is it a system that we can trust and if it is something that we can trust yep. then sure hold on to lukaku hold on to ronaldo hold on to chelsea defense uh keep the faith with Cancelo, et cetera et cetera so let's let's probe that in the next hour yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And I think I mean, yeah, I think another way to um, I mean, I, I not that I need to rework your your uh, metaphor, because I think it makes sense. But I think another, uh, you know, another thing that sort of add on to that is is just that, it, you know, you have to remind yourself that um, you talk about like systems and like, you know, you know, gamblers have systems and things like that. Right. But it, it's still you're still gambling. Right. You're still not there's there's no um, there's, it's never 100 percent that. Romelu Lukaku is going to score a goal in a match, right? There's just no, um, it's not like it's like a basketball game where everyone's going to, you know, the, the LeBron James is very rarely going to score under 20 points in a game, right? At least right. Like vintage LeBron, like, but like in, 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 in soccer slash football, right? Like there's just no, uh, there's just no guarantee of anything, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of the results. And, um, so, you know, I, I think that is, it, it's something to think about. You have to sort of like think about whether your system is right but you also have to kind of keep that gambling part of it in, in yeah. mind as well, right? That you are doing a kind of gambling, you're gambling on results and you have to put yourself in a position, um, you know, that hopefully like things do work out for you, right? That you do like yeah. that you, you know, if you bet, you know, if you go in, if you go in free flop with pocket Queens and you're able to do that every hand <laughs> in the poker tournament, you're going to win the tournament, right? Like, uh, yeah, you, you, you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, people might like get onto it at some point. They're like, wait, how does this guy have pocket Queens every time? You know, but, uh, <laughs> you might be cheating. You might, you be, might cheating. be cheating. <laughs> Always cheating, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that, that's the name of the pot. So anyway, so I finished on, I guess, 44 points, 45 points. Uh, with a minus eight, uh, you know, I doubled my overall rank, but honestly, I, I'm kind of shocked that I'm still inside the top hundred K. And so I'm just going to like take it and run and hope that, um, the moves that I made pay off long-term. I don't really know how to think about, you know, how to feel about Lukaku anymore. I mean, it seems like his teammates dislike him and don't want to pass to him. And that's definitely a concern, but that's something we can, we can talk about later. Um, you wildcarded and <laughs> that is like shocking to me because I, when you and I, you and I did our Patreon pod on Thursday, you, you said you were 50, 50 on wildcarded. So I don't, I don't want to mm-hmm. say it was like you sprung it like a, you know, uh, but you know, I, I was still a little surprised because usually when you have, when, when you, Brandon Kelly have two options and one yeah. is to play more conservatively and one is to be more aggressive. 
you, I would say nine times out of 10, you go with the more conservative option. So what, what pulled you over the fence this time around? There were a few price changes that were happening on Friday in particular. So yeah, as you said, Josh, we potted on, on Thursday night to our Patreon supporters and I was on the fence and then come Friday, there were price changes impacting players that I didn't want to have that were currently in my squad and players that I didn't have that I wanted. And I, I, the Liverpool City fixture was really the spanner in the works, and I think that is what was preventing a lot of people from uh, jumping on City defense uh, or, or addressing a certain other things. And why would you wild card? Because after game week seven, uh, City's fixtures do open up, and that's when you mm-hmm. would really want to. I mean, uh, clearly, no one was really invested in Manchester City leading into Game Week 7. And why was Game Week 7 going to be it? Things opened up in Game Week 8. That's when you trigger a wild card. And I just thought the odds of Liverpool City being nil-nil uh, are as good as it being 2-2, as we saw, that why wouldn't I just go ahead and trigger this wild card and bring in the City defenders that I want? Because that was my feeling. Uh, the only city assets that I wanted were in the defense and the Southampton fixture for Chelsea was so enticing that I wanted to jump in on uh, the Chelsea defense. So the wild card was, and, and, and I have been very resistant this season and previous seasons to going big at the back. Mm-hmm. And really the inciting incident for my wild card was, you know what, maybe it's Chelsea and man city. I need to go, uh, heavily with these guys in my defense right, right. and uh, uh, across the midfield it turned out that my concerns pre-wild card were a justified and b not justified because i didn't think that greenwood and jota were going to start i just think greenwood does not fitting into this manchester united system jota was ripe to be rotated for Firmino, who was fit and generally starts against the top six sides. So yeah. I thought right right there, two of my high-flying attackers were not going to play. Those were all yeah. my reasons. I, I was with you on Jota. I, I yeah. guess I thought Grady would start, but I, I, I was with you on Jota. I was a little surprised that he started and played almost 70 minutes. Even if Greenwood would have started, it's just not happening for that guy Yeah. Uh, at, at the moment, which is sad. Like, I mean, credit to you, Josh, for getting in on Greenwood early, getting his points, and then getting the F out of there. So, yeah, I, I did wild card. And just to quickly take you through where I ended up on the team, I've got classic Brandon wild card move where I just decide to overextend myself on the goalkeepers. I've got Mendy. <laughs> And and Sanchez at Brighton, and I'm just like five millions worth of goalkeepers. Feels like a lot. Why not? Okay, so this is kind of the theme of uh, FPL coming out of game week seven is is defense really the only source of points at the moment? So yeah, I've got Mendy and my my uh, my fail safe there of Sanchez across the back line, Rudiger, Cancelo, Diaz, Ben White, and Livermento. So I, I. and you've got to like the shape of this going into game week eight where I can start City players against Burnley and then uh, Chelsea are facing Brentford. Yeah. And then across so why, the... Just the question though, yeah. uh, just while we're talking defense and goalkeepers, why not? I mean, the, I think the one concern with Mendy is that, you know, he does get rotated for um, Kappa sometimes. 
and it makes them slightly risky. Why didn't you just go for Ederson, which would mean you wouldn't need to have the Sanchez backup option because Ederson's probably a more reliable starter? Yeah, the, the answer to that is because I was going to double up with Cancelo and Diaz either way. Okay. Cancelo just seems so irresistible going into game week seven, and he proved to be irresistible through the first half of that Liverpool match. Yeah, he was great. Cons- <laughs> yeah. He was abs- an absolute liability in the second half. Which well, you know, is- it was that yellow card. The yellow card made him so tentative that it like he, they should have just like taken off the pitch once it gets the yellow card, right? Because like Salah generated both of those goals, right? And yeah. it, was, it was just because Cancelo was yeah. scared to do anything. Yeah. It just like I, I think it's just an interesting fantasy conversation of what is the mix, uh, and to be doubled up on Chelsea and City as we've discussed a lot. These are going to be the teams that keep the most clean sheets. <laughs> I mean Liverpool. We're going to have to keep coming back to that well again and again and again. And how do I get to Trent? Will be the next question, but. I was going to be doubled up on them, and I am just really fearful of the rotation amongst Chelsea defenders. So I felt even though Kepa can come in if there's even a minor concern with Mendy, I thought Mendy was still safe enough. I was not going to be tripled up on City defense with Diaz, Cancelo, and Ederson. So this one just felt like the better balance to me with Mendy and Rudiger and Chelsea and Cancelo and Diaz on City. And I think what it's going to be Cancelo or Diaz, probably Diaz that turns into Trent Alexander, even coming out of the international break or a few weeks later on, we'll see how his fitness goes. Seems kind of, you probably don't need to do it after that, you know, into game week eight, but yeah, yeah. Probably the biggest problem I solved on the wild card was now I have five starting defenders, whereas I just had a a non-starting fifth defender in my game week one squad intentionally. and, And so this, this feels a little bit better. So the midfield is, Salah, Saka, Rafinha, Ben Rama, and uh, Brownhill. I did not change Brownhill or Ben Rama or Salah. Saka and Rafinha come in for Jota and uh, and uh, and Greenwood. Is is this an improvement? <laughs> I mean, the fixtures would say it's an improvement. The points will, you know, who who knows what that will suggest. Uh, and then in the uh, in the striker lineup, it's Antonio, Lukaku, and Tony. So I flip from Ronaldo to Lukaku. Tony is just a one for me pick, Josh. And I think going into game week seven. Uh, it was a coin flip between Jimenez and Tony. I say it's a coin flip because they went with Tony and people who have Jimenez would say, well, it was a clear path to, to lots of points to just go with Jimenez. I do think that Tony looked, uh, he, he looked exceptional. Yeah, pretty big price difference too. I mean, a million more. Right, know, so. right. So I w- I would suggest that that's the ultimate advantage with Tony is the money that you would save on Jimenez. And I think if we flash forward to game week thirty eight, uh, it's I I think as of now it's going to be a pretty even story between yeah. the two of them. So we'll 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 see. And and what about Saka over Smith Rowe? That's a little surprising to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just like the soccer. I saw the soccer thing got momentum late, late in the week, and I, I did. I feel like I didn't totally get it, like where it was coming from. Well, I think that the soccer's, you know, it, it's a heat map thing, and soccer. I think it's soccer is more appealing because he really does own the quadrant of the pitch that he is in, whereas Smith Rowe, his positioning is really dependent on the match. And when you look at the North London Derby, you're like, wow, this is irresistible. He's incredibly central. But if 
the momentum of the match is not going Arsenal's way, Smith Rowe can vanish. So that, and I'm not saying this is this is true or false. This is just like the sentiment that leads you yeah. to Saka. Um, so and and they were just I, I maybe I got drawn in to the talk about Saka, and I think either way, whether if you went for an Arsenal midfielder coming out of game week six whether it was Saka or Emil Smith-Rowe, I think both are winners. And it was kind of a, <laughs> I want to say it was a can't lose, Josh. Clearly I'm yeah. losing at this point, but um, <laughs> I think Saka uh, and ESR could come good. So how are you feeling? I mean, so you ended up with, you know, I mean, the wild card probably didn't really pay off this week, although you could argue it paid off just because he didn't take a points hit, right? I mean, you know, the, yeah. this is one of those game weeks where if you had just forgotten to set your team you probably would be better off than most of us who took these massive point hits and didn't really, I mean, in my case, I had four injured players. Like I really had, there was really nothing I could do. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I really, you know, was boxed into a corner. I mean, minus four was, was a certainty because I mean, I had just doubts up and down. I, I wasn't even sure I was gonna be able to field three defenders. Right. So I felt like I, I really had to, it was a, it was a game week where I really felt like I had to take a minus four for a defender. Um, and then it's like, you're kind of like, I mean, it's like, a, I don't know. It's like a little like gambler's, gambler's fallacy exactly it's like that you're just like when you're like when you're stuck a lot of money you know and you're like well i'm like i'm I'm down i'm at a minus four like i might as well just take a minus eight at that point right like if i'm sort of yeah. locked into a minus four anyway um, you're pot committed pot committed or something yeah and so i was just like well i'm just gonna do this and and then it just sort of it solved like a captaincy problem for me a little bit too where i was i was looking at ronaldo and i just like i, I was just reading like some of these like gamblers this is what i often do and i'm not sure what to do which is i just read like a bunch of articles from gambling sites because uh, they tend to be a little more like clear-headed about goal scoring and, and what, what how matches might look than than some of the fantasy articles right, right. Like they'll just be like well like uh everton's fully rested uh, man, 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 you know, maybe fatigued after, you know, after a difficult match. Um, we think this is going to be a fairly low scoring, con- you know, so it's not even like, it's not, sometimes it's like you get very in the weeds about fantasy and you're like, well, like Ronaldo was a good player. Ronaldo, you know what I mean? It's like, you kind of forget to like, look at the big picture of like, what mm-hmm. is this match actually going to look like? Uh, and I think that those assessments that there was gonna be a low scoring game, you know, obviously turned out to be true. Uh, one nil and kind of a weird lineup from OGS, but you know, whatever, that's like a conversation for a <laughs> yeah. different pod. I don't know. We yeah. probably go in on him too much as it is. So we'll, we'll save that for another pod. So, um, yeah, but I mean, in hindsight, I, I obviously could have just taken a minus four and got Jimenez and that would have been the move. Uh, you know, I talked myself into Rudiger over Aspilicueta. I'm not going to kill myself over that one because Aspilicueta was on two points before that red card. And, you know, I mean, yeah, like, of course you're going to like open things up once, once a late red card happens and that's going to, create opportunities for him and there have been some talk that he might not even start on Saturday so I, I don't that one I can I can I'm not going to beat myself up over but going Lukaku over um, Rudiger I mean I mean Lukaku over Jimenez that one stings a little bit because I, I felt like I kind of took the flash move and watching that Chelsea match today I mean you really have to wonder like whether there just doesn't seem like there's anyone who's interested in trying to get the ball into Lukaku. Like it doesn't seem like no, it's important to that it's, team. No, right? no, it's it's not that the players aren't interested. It's the way Tuchel sets up, and Tuchel basically sets that team up with uh, nine defenders, including the goalkeeper, and then it's yeah. Lukaku and some random roving attacker. And it is right, not like right. he Lukaku is starved for service, and I wouldn't blame the his teammates to just blame the way Tuchel is setting up and I think Tuchel yeah. as far as I can tell he 
he's kind of operating under the assumption that the quality will come through. And so long as he prevents the other team from scoring, his players will find a way to uh, put put them one nil up. And that's that is concerning. What is not concerning, yeah. I guess, uh, being an optimistic Lukaku owner is Tuchel is not. Uh, I, I don't think he's a stubborn manager, nor do I think he's dim-witted like many other managers. Uh, God, can you believe the the carousel that continues at Watford? Incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, Ranieri. What a weird move. I, I don't really get that at all, but I don't know. But like, you, great. Good Tuchel, Tuchel will be able to change things. If you're Lukaku, if, if you're anyone in Lukaku's circle, you're in Tuchel's office for the next five days demanding answers to what is going on, not only yeah. because of, you know, Lukaku's career, but also this is not sustainable for Chelsea if they want to be fighting on multiple fronts, et cetera, et cetera. I just don't see how this way of playing is going to continue for a club that is as well run as Chelsea. Ronaldo is kind of a peculiar parallel conversation of um, will you know, how is that going to fit together? That I'm not sure about. I mean, you know, I mean, to me, it, it seemed fine. Like I, I didn't really like, you know, people get caught up in the freemium stuff. I mean, to me, it's like, if there's a way I, you know, I, I don't really care if I'm going to captain Ronaldo every week or not. I mean, to me, it's just like, if, there, if there's, if there's cheap midfielders offering value and cheap defenders offering value, then sure. Like have two 11 or 12 million forwards. Like who cares? You know, it's like, it's, I, I don't feel like I need like a ton of balance right now because there's literally no for no midfielders outside of Salah who cost more than 6.5 million that I want to have my team. So, you know, it's fine. Like let's, let's, let's go for it up front. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean like, you, you know, I, my worry with Ronaldo is just that, um, I, I don't really trust the manager, you know, uh, to, to set things up in a way that's going to maximize goals for, for Man United. But I don't know. I mean, like, let's see how they look after the international break. I mean, it, it feels like the bench of Ronaldo was like, uh, I'm the boss here. Like, you've got to listen to me kind of move or something. I don't really know. I mean, Ronaldo mm-hmm. just like saved his bacon with a game winning goal in the Champions League, though. So I, I don't really maybe maybe that's like a totally bad reading of it but I, yeah. I, it's just strange i don't know it, it is peculiar i think fred had a notably horrible match against everton and yeah. it, it, it's the age-old story with uh, this current iteration of manchester united of where is the uh midfield signing and so i think january it's it's almost like boy can we as fantasy managers just put a pin in the ronaldo conversation until january when Manchester United might make that midfield signing and suddenly open up as just like a, a font of fantasy points, yeah. and that would be wonderful. But that's it's such a man, it's such a Man United thing to be like, yeah, like they just need to sign more players and, and bring in, you know, just spend even more money. It's like at some point, like like you talk about systems, Brandon earlier, like yeah. bring it back to fantasy. Like, <laughs> sure. what is the system there? Is it just like yeah. I mean, if, if you're gonna be like full on Real Madrid and just buy everybody like you got to be like sacking your manager all the time. Right. Like that's like the way that it <laughs> yeah. works. Right. It's like, yeah. you can't just, you can't just bet in new players constantly and expect it to work. Like the, the way Real Madrid do is right. They just bring in these like player friendly managers and they, you know, they have a bad run and they just sack them. They bring in somebody new and there's always like a little bump that comes. It's like, it's like a, it's like a, uh, supercharged version of what Watford does. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. but just with champions league stakes. And Why stuff. doesn't Watford just shell out for Carlo Ancelotti? You know, you want it. And, 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 and fair play, <laughs> um, 
Fair play to Watford, though, as as somebody who follows Fulham and the uh, yo-yo clubs as they are. Watford, <laughs> you do have to tip your hat to what they've done as a club, and yep. they've yep. you know they're making money, they're doing their thing. If you're a Watford fan, own it. You sh- you shouldn't be ashamed. Watching the watching the Ben Foster cycling GK YouTube over the, the uh, pandemic, Josh. At least like the facilities look pretty nice. Uh, at Watford looks like a nice area yeah. to live in too. get to live in London, you know, or, huh. or just North of it, you know? So, I mean, you probably, probably live in London to commute pretty easily. Um, all right. So anyway, well, this is a very long intro. I, I, I feel like it's more substantive though than, than last week's uh, last week's we hemmed and hawed about Jimmy Vardy for 15 minutes. So this, <laughs> at least, at least now we're talking about a uh, big picture FPL philosophy type stuff. That's the kind of stuff I, I, I think our, our podcast, uh, when it's, when it's, when it's good is, um, is, is doing a lot of, so, um, a couple quick notes though, always shooting super league. We got a, a totally reformed, uh, top 10 of the always cheating super league. So let's. Uh, let's run through those real quick. I'm going to read off the uh, the top ten here, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, Ian Ian Achando in ninth or in tenth. Uh, in ninth is Kareem Kador. In eighth is Nathan Carr. And seventh is Deborski Hazarika. In sixth is Johnny Harrington. Fifth, Faris uh, Al Jishi. In fourth is Bakari Kandawa. In third is Ruha Shane Keegan. Second is Ryan Mackey. And in first is Daniel Mason Abraham. And let's Congrats. shout out da- yeah. da- Daniel Mason Abraham's team name is uh, worth noting Gangsters Allardyce, which I quite like. <laughs> and <laughs> sixth place overall in the world. Wow. So well That's done, great. Daniel. But yeah, Ryan Quinn, who was a mainstay in the top 10 has, has kind of vanished. Yeah. And I think that's that's not shots at Ryan Quinn. We're rooting for you, buddy. Uh, yep. I think that is just an indication of how tightly packed everyone is uh, here in FPL, even still coming out of game week seven. No he one's been able to in the he still tops yeah. the always treating Patreon league. So credit to him there. Absolutely. It, we're just waiting for that, like breakaway Peloton in the Tour de France to happen. And it's not quite happened just yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's very true. I mean, that's and we talk about the story of the season. I mean, we can talk about that a little bit, too, and, and sort of what we do know so far, what we don't. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Patreon, though, uh, if you want to say thanks, support the cheaters. It's the start of a month, so it's a perfect time to uh, become a Patreon supporter. You basically get a full month to see if it's for you. We'll be doing bonus podcasts uh Throughout the even throughout the international break, they they never stop. So we're going to be running roll, rolling those out. We'll be doing it doing. I don't know why I'm stuttering here, Brad. I'm like nervous rolling out this Patreon post. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll do, do, we're doing uh, new posts, uh, new pods each week. Of course, you can come in and talk in the Slack. I mean, God, it's I, I the comedy of going back and looking at me talking about my minus eight and my plans for it on Friday would would be something uh, worth worth paying for right there. Um, and uh, and everyone was like uh, rightfully suspicious of it, you know. But uh, whatever, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so you can go to Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating to uh, to join that uh, to join that group and say thank you to the cheaters. Uh, a couple of new um, managers to sh- or a couple of new supporters to shout out here: uh, Nathan Hall. Uh, Malin Ranner and Magnus Ranner. Brendan, I refuse to believe that that is a coincidence that the two Ranners both joined in the same day. Oh, yeah, the Ranner yeah. brothers back at it again. We ride again, <laughs> Ranners. Uh, Matthew Franklin, uh, Johan Exbaum. We have a new producer patron. Thank you to James Keatley, producer Jason, uh, producer James. Uh, and then we've got Adrian Palumbo, Marcus Ranner. Wait, 
Three Ranners. What's going on here? Three Wow. The Ranner three Ranners. This is what? incredible. Wow. This is this is some Da Vinci Code stuff happening here. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we've been hacked. I don't know. We've got three, three <laughs> Ranners. Um, and then uh, we've got Gotham, Fro Jacobson, and Andreas Iverson. Thank you to all of our new Patreon supporters, especially you, Ranner Clan. Absolute big ups to the Ranners. Josh, let's take it to a break. And when we come back, we're going to dig in on what is the story of the FPL season so far. We're talking about game weeks one through seven. We're going to review the action in a minute. All right, back. What is the story of the season so far? I want to kick things off by just taking a quick look at the Basically, what I did, Brandon, first of all, was I uh, I put out a call to questions. I asked people what they thought the story of the season was so far. I kept it kind of open ended. What what what's what stuck out to you so far? And I think this is I've talked about this before in the pod, but it can be useful to keep in your head the idea of what the story of the season is so far, because it can inform your transfers. It can inform the way that you want to think about the season. It's just like a big picture. I mean, it's like you're talking about systems, right? Like mm-hmm. like what is like what do I know about this year and um, you know, it can often be like very helpful and sort of just like, right, I should, you know, like I remember a couple of years ago, the story of the season was you should have just had Salah Mane the entire season, right? It was just like, if you had just kept them weathered the storm through thick and thin, it's like you know, maybe two years ago, uh, the, the, the Liverpool won the league. If you, if you just weathered the storm, like kept through them, like with thick and thin, like that would have been the path. And it was like, we were all like, like stumbling around trying to get away from it because they cost too much money. And that would have been, you know, the way to go. So, um, in, in other years, like, like this year, I think that, um, you know, one of the things we've done, we've done is we've seriously underestimated a strong defensive setup. I mean, you talked about this with your wild card and, you know, there's like big at the back and that sort of gets, um, and you and I have sort of, I wouldn't say lambasted it, but neither of us are like into it because I think we're resistant. I don't really think it's, and we're resistant because I don't think it's a particularly fun way to play. Um, I don't like watching matches. Um, I, I mean, I thought about this about watching the North London Derby when I lost my Ben White clean sheet in the 82nd minute or whatever. I'm just like, I don't like watch. I don't like playing fantasy when I need my defenders to keep clean sheets. Like that's just like not. Yeah fun for me. Um, no, but, you, you, but, you yeah. like rooting for positive outcomes. You never like rooting yeah. for negative outcomes. You want to root for something yeah. to happen, not for something to not happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you were starting to sweat at the end of the Liverpool, uh, I mean the, the Liverpool man city match, right? Like 60 minutes and you've still got your clean sheet. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I mean like the clean sheet watch, it's like, if it happens early on, you're like, fine, whatever. Now I can just refer to yeah. returns, but it's around the 60th minute where you start to like, perspire a little bit oh yeah and and that's how it is for me with Concello, even i was just i was sweating not for the clean sheet i was sweating for like not a red card because it was like (laughs) anytime sala uh, sized Concello up with the ball at his feet i was like well the only way Concello can stop him is a yellow card challenge so that that was the concern so I thought so. I, th- I think we can talk more about you know these kind of like some some of the some of the listener submitted thoughts here. But uh, just looking at the because I wanted this to be a little bit of a review as well. So looking and one thing that I kind of forget to do sometimes is just go to the stats page and just see who the league leaders are. You know, yeah, <laughs> in certain yeah. categories it can be kind of instructive. Sometimes like you're like wow, like I did not realize. Like I mean, I felt that way looking at the forwards in particular. I mean, God, you look at the top. Um, the top five forwards are Antonio, Vardy, Gabriel Jesus, Saint Maximin, and Mape. Those are the top five forwards through seven weeks of fantasy. Madness. 
that is madness. Now, okay, yeah, Lukaku joined late, sure. Ronaldo joined late, sure. But like that is still that is like you would think like one of them would have had like a like a you know a seventeen point performance yeah. or something that would propel them up there. I mean, for goodness sakes, like we barely talked about any of these players outside of Antonio, right? Vardy, we talked about him a little bit last week. Jesus barely talked about him. Say Max barely talked about him. Mape, the same thing. And I, I'm not saying that we're like you know sheep following the herd or whatever, but it's just like it wasn't like where my brain was. Like I just wasn't. Uh, I mean, like you could make an argument against all these people, right? I mean, you and I talked about blank slate going into the season, right? Like, yeah. you know, but it's hard. Like Neil Mape is the kind of guy who seems like he, you know, he's as liable to get a red card as he has to score a goal in a match. And say yeah. maximum just is like a little bit like a, like a slightly better performing version of, uh, of, um, uh, what's the, the, Give Wolves me a player, the Wolves player who I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, just like, yeah. You, you know, I mean, just like he's got like a lot of like speed and creativity, but yeah. like the end product isn't always there. Right. Sure. That was sort of like the book on, on, on St. On Maximum. Um, Gabriel Jesus, uh, a forward who's been converted to a right winger. Right. And then Jimmy Vardy, a player who is um, entering his late 30s. And so, like, there's an argument against all of these people. Um, and then well, I and, and, and just just right? quickly on Vardy, because you said entering his late 30s and for all of the uh, podcast space that has been given to Ronaldo, I think we should mention beyond his age or the trajectory of his career. The thing that we talked about last week with Vardy is just uh, some confusion with managers with his price point and at 10.4 started the season at 10.5 there's just some uncertainty of how to fit him in and I think Vardy of all of these forwards that we're talking about and I think maybe I don't know if we want to start start the, the conversation about strikers right away but um I think Vardy he was just the last striker who we wanted to make space for, for that yeah. level of price at 10.5. And that was really his, um, his, his problem. And it was, I don't yeah. know that ever, anyone really doubted his ability to score, yeah. you know, 15 but, plus goals this season. But, but again, like we, we shouldn't, uh, it's like, it's funny how we just were like, Oh, Lukaku, like, um, you know, he's a, he's a changed man. You know, Lukaku went to Inter Milan and he's, he's not the player he was before. Now, now he scores against, uh, top teams as well or whatever. Well, right? Josh, he knows how to make Cacio Pepe now. Uh, and yeah, exactly. he's really delighting his teammates with that. Totally. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's been up in the mountains. He's, he's gone truffle hunting. Like, you know, he's a different, he's a different <laughs> human now, but like, no, it turns out he's kind of the same. And, you know, I mean, Jimmy Vardy is this cheaper version right who is like the most lethal finisher in the game right you give it like vardy like i mean i mean okay last season he like slipped a little bit but he got a ton of assists as well right and it's like vardy has consistently since he joined the premier league found a way to be a major source of fantasy points right i mean like you'll even look back even his first year right in the in the 2014-15 season finishes with five goals and 12 assists yeah. and that was as a 4.5 million no he started he started the season at 5 million he ended at 4.6 million uh which is kind of insane uh the next year he starts the season at 6 million and contributes 24 goals and eight assists and from there 13 goals eight assists 20 goals and two assists 18 and 5 23 and 7 and 15 and 14 last year yeah. he has never not been a world-class for i feel like i'm like having we're now having like a better version of the party conversation <laughs> that i had last week all right because like <laughs> we are just clearly sitting on this guy for no reason it's now, just like in, in man now, united he's gonna kill man united next week he always does i i, and I remember him uh, beating de gea to get that uh, single season goal scoring 
record or no not single season yeah. but consecutive, consecutive match is like yeah. 11 matches or whatnot he's like it's all mine it's all mine i imagine james bond is really big right now right josh so you you show up at mi7 or wherever it is that uh, james bond hangs out you're new to the office and you're like oh who are these guys over there well that's james bond and that's his friend yeah. uh you know frank bond and they're really elegant and they they get results and who's this guy over there well that's jamie vardy um, of all of the uh, agents in this uh, office, he's killed the most people, and he's <laughs> he's, he's never come, come close to getting caught. He's just like, if you need somebody killed, he'll he'll take care of it. That's basically how Jamie Vardy approaches striking in the Premier League. Is it's inelegant, but it is like it is beyond effective. And what I'm going to say, and I, first of all, one, two two points here. One is I think it's so funny about the James Bond movies that like. It's like every other one we all collectively decide to care about. It's like there are some James Bond movies that come out and they're just like released. And it's like they're just like stinkers on arrival. Like nobody sure. – I, I still haven't seen Quantum of Solace, right? It's just like something that just come out and you're just like, yep, that was a that was a Bond movie that happened. And sure. there's other ones that are like a huge deal, right? And there's like – it was like the one – a couple of weeks ago, it was like, this is like straw dogs. Like James Bond needs straw, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, and then other one, you know, I don't know why we like to get excited about some of them and not others. But anyway, uh, and then on, on Vardy, my pledge to you, Brandon, is that I am going to seriously open my brain and open my open my eyes to considering yeah. having Vardy at some point. That's all we can week. ask, Josh. That's all we can ask, really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, anyway, so that that's the forward. I guess we kind of had the forward discussion. I, it's not that I want to like go in depth here. I just want to kind of look at them and and, and just sort yeah. of. I mean, as, as we did with the forwards, just like kind of look at our thoughts here. So to go back to the keepers for a second, I think we we see the problem that a lot of wild carders are having right now, which is that you look at the top seven keepers. Um, the cheapest keeper you have you have David Rea who slips in in the um, fifth spot, and he's you know seems like he's a uh, probably the the. I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, Sanchez picks up the clean sheet again. I think at the very least, we don't know which 4.5 million player to really trust. Yeah. Everyone else is pricey, right? You've got Allison at 6 million, Ederson at 6 million in the top two spots. You have a Larice at 5.5, Martinez at 5.5 in the third and fourth spots. And credit to Martinez. I thought he was way overpriced going into the season, but, you know, he's doing what Martinez does, you know, he's racking up like a bunch of saves and the occasional clean sheet. I don't know how <laughs> you know? it was like, it did, I'm like, did he get uh penalty save points for just like thrusting at the, uh, at the <laughs> no, crowd? No, no, it's crazy. Yeah. And cause he missed a match too, right? Cause yeah. he didn't play in the Chelsea match. He's still, he's still, yeah. Eight, nine and four. I mean, even the last match, you picked up six saves. He's a, the new Nick Pope. Loss. It's incredible. So then, and then below him, you've got, uh, uh, Mendy and Sa, right? So you've yeah. got, um, you know, Mendy at six million, Sa at five, and maybe maybe Sa is is the way to go. I think we've all been pretty impressed with him, and obviously we expect those assists to keep flowing. You know, I think I'll uh, wait seven assists for Sa this season. What do you think is the uh, the right <laughs> number there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever Ederson gets, I'm guessing like three more. And if we look at Mendy, though, interesting as a as recently wild carding Mendy, and he. Did not play against Spurs in game week five because of some sort of injury complaint. And Chelsea end up keeping clean sheet. Kepa keeps a clean sheet. So let's say, let's play devil's advocate here, Josh. If Mendy actually plays that match at mm-hmm. uh, at the White Hart Lane, Mendy's on 36 points and he's top of, he's top of the heap here amongst goalkeepers. Did well, I hey, not Brandon, make the best decision? Let's play that game again then. Okay. Uh, M- or Martinez doesn't play in game week three away to Chelsea. 
plays in that match, maybe he gets a pen save, right? Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe he finished on 11 points. Suddenly he is the runaway number one keeper. So maybe we need to reconsider. Wait, wait, wait. Would we... I mean, it's funny because I'm sure you didn't even consider Martinez, right? No. As like a, as like a possible option, even <laughs> no. though he probably should be considered, right? He's 5.5 million keepers right in line with these with these 6 million keepers. But it's just it's just hard to do at 5.5. It's I wish he was 5 million. I guess if he was 5 million, we'd all own him. So that's why he's not, right? Like it's sort of you've got to bump him up 0.5. Well, this is really the ultimate unattainable FPL conversation of who is out there with uh, the brain that can just look at the game and say, uh, I'm going, I, I'm on a wild card going into game week seven. And I'm going Martinez. I, I, I'm going uh, Vardy, Jamie Vardy. Now, yep. like maybe the information was there for us to have. And I'm with you. Like, I don't think that you and I approached these conversations as like following some sort of group thing. I really don't think that it's, no. it is not, like I do think it's lazy to call it groupthink and you know sheep and all that sort of thing. No, sure. what yeah. it is is um, call it conventional or not. We're just sort of following actual patterns of play right. uh, and it, uh, mapped on budget prices. It's it's really as simple as that. Um, and I think that, and I'm not saying that we're doing it the right way because clearly we're not, because clearly a great decision would have been to bring in Jamie Vardy. The great decision would have been to bring in Emmy Martinez and, and, and see what happens. So I, I don't looking at these goalkeeper numbers. It's very confusing, Josh. I'm not sure what we're learning here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I not, nothing really, except, uh, this is a, I mean, okay, here's what I will say, uh, looking at the goalkeeper numbers that I feel like you are getting what you pay for the season with keepers, at least so far. Uh, and that typically I would say in a typical season, there is at least one 4.5 million keeper, often two or three that emerge as like the overall points. Yeah leader right and yeah. and it, it speaks to how strong chelsea and liverpool honestly chelsea liverpool and and um city, Man city have all been yeah. defensively this season that their keepers are at the top of the pile and again yeah mendy would be at the top of that list too if he hadn't i had to miss one match so yeah i think that's just maybe it just it, it, it speaks to the defenders and then when you go to the defenders i mean i think you know there's not uh, uh, anything dramatic to say here i mean i think Cancelo is or Cancelo, however you say his name I, i've never who cares totally yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, well, no, don't waste my energy talking about not my bad mispronunciations. Uh, but he is super underrated, clearly, right? Uh, yeah, he, I know he picked up zero points today, but you can't, you can't, you know, like that. That's a that's a way to Liverpool in a very highly charged match. That is not representative of. Yeah, but and and you look at that first half. I mean, the commentary crew, at least in the states, with Lee Dixon and Graham Lasso, were just absolutely, you know, beside themselves, just like. Uh, uh, with his passing was on another level and you're like okay yes like Cancelo is possibly here to challenge Trent for the heir to the great attacking defensive asset in the fantasy game and you know it it uh, it became abundantly clear in the second half of that city match that Cancelo is going to also have to suffer the the arrows that Trent has of maybe you can't defend as well as some of the great fullbacks in the league. So, um, I, I am determined to not be frustrated by that performance. You'd, you'd sort of take the good of the first half of Liverpool with Cancelo and not the bad of the second half. And if you're Pep Guardiola, I, which, which is the half in which he wants 
Man City to play. It is clearly the first half against Liverpool, and that Liverpool barely touched the ball in you know outside of the first five minutes of that match, and yep. Cancelo looked great. So I would, I would say I would not be deterred by the City defensive performance, nor would I be deterred by Cancelo's second half performance because Pep will be encouraged by whatever it is that he struck upon in that first half. On a brief side note here, this Portugal team right now is absolutely loaded. Like, you have Diaz and Cancelo. Uh, you've got the midfield. You've got Ruben Neves. And, I mean, I'm just naming, like, Premier League players here. Right? Neves and, and Fernandez and Jamotinho. Up front, you've got Jota, Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva. Like, it is just like a – that is an awesome team. Like, this team, yeah. like, should be threatening in the World Cup next year for sure. Like, it's it, – especially if Ronaldo and – Bruno start to play together, which I actually think they played fine together so far Agreed. for yeah. Man United. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, and everyone else, I think the, the one thing I'll note here is um, Brentford. Uh, they have two defenders in the top five overall. And neither of us, neither you or I have had Brentford defenders yeah. um, so far in the season. And I think um, we're starting to, I, and I feel like the drumbeat is, is, is like, it's building. Happening. It's building. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, um, you know, they play Chelsea and Leicester the next two. Not a great, you know, run right there. But from about game week 10 on, uh, they've got Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle, Everton, Spurs, Leeds, Watford. Like, I think that just in general, I mean, defensively, midfield, forwards, like, and Boimbo, you know, picked up a goal today. Um, it does feel like if you're in a wild card in game week eight, stashing a Brentford defender or in your case, you know, just bringing in uh, Ivan Tony is um, makes a lot yeah. of sense. And they're just like, yeah. I mean, they just have a great, and as my complaint with Man United was a feeling like, like, what are they even doing? Like, it's like, they just roll the ball out there and it feels like Brentford really um, like, and they're like subbing in play. You know what I mean? It's like, there's yeah. like, there's like, there's depth in that squad. Uh, there's different people who can score. It feels like, um, Tony can be, he's like a little, like, uh, he's got like a little bit of like r- r- vintage Firmino in him or something. Right. Where it's yeah. Like he he's inc- an incredible passer. It's like you, yeah, you look yeah. at a guy of Tony's stature and you think, well, he's going to be, uh, you know, dominating in the box and just like a, a, a through and through number nine, but it's just like the delicacy and the intricacy and of his passing and, and the vision is incredible. And I think chemistry is really the word that comes to mind when I look at this Brentford squad. Yeah. And that's what's so appealing about them is they came up with, it's, it's, it's what's so difficult to do. It's what Leeds did last season coming up from the championship is they were able to carry through, uh, a degree of chemistry and keeping players that were ready for for the Premier League. So I think that's great. But you know, you we mentioned Raya as the uh, goalkeeper who is breaking through from the four point five bracket in the top GKs. One thing that jumps out when you're watching that Brentford West Ham match and what you see in the points with these Brentford defenders and Jansen and, and Pinnock is the attacking potential. And both Pinnock and Jansen were involved in. Um, big chances in the box against West Ham. I just feel like there is more opportunity with the, uh, even with Rico Henry at the fullback Your position. Yeah. yeah. Love me some Rico Henry. Um, <laughs> I think there is much more opportunity with Brentford uh, defenders than there is with Raya as good a pick as Raya is. So I guess that's just like my one shout for Brentford. If you're on wildcard, this international break is 
I would steer you toward the defenders as opposed to Rhea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you there. I mean, you could, I suppose you could even consider a double up that feels a little aggressive, but, but I think it's at least something you could, you could consider. I mean, you know, uh, Chelsea and, and Man City dominating the defender table is not anything notable enough for us to really talk about other than um, to go back to what I said before, which is that um, big at the back may be difficult, but going bigger at the back, <laughs> taking some money, taking some money out uh-huh. of the midfield. I'm not talking about going five at the back, but having, you know, three or four defenders that are all 5.5 million or, or more expensive. Yeah. That seems viable to me. And I, I actually wonder if three is maybe the right number just because I, I think with with Ben White in particular, I wonder if you're like, if you, I mean, you, I, you brought him in obviously and, and Livermento too picked up an assist today um, or yesterday. Um, yeah. I, I do wonder if there is, um, you know, there are always some cheap options. And I think one, okay, here's another story this season. Look at these defenders, much like cheap keepers, there is typically one or two cheap defenders who kind of rise who rise up, right. And become like really viable, <laughs> uh-huh. really viable. Usually it's because they're attacking, but I mean, Ben white now has, I mean, he's kind of like, I, you know, again, I, I mentioned I had a bad game week, but you know, I've gotten a seven pointer from Ben white two of the last three weeks now. And it's, you know, for 4.4 million to get a seven point return is fantastic. And it's value gone a little, yeah, it's great value. And it's gone a little under the radar and then Arsenal, but a fantastic run coming up as well. So um, I think that would be the only issue. The question is whether that extra money I don't know. Maybe like you just like have, but you're big at the back and you still have a cheap midfield and you just keep like 3 million in the bank for like a rainy day or something. I don't know, you know, but uh, let's, let's one last category here. I want to talk about the midfielders quickly. And the thing that stood out to me here, of course, Sal was at the top of the uh, top of the heap. And and maybe the story of the season so far is it's most selling everybody else, right? It's the most solace season. He is phenomenal. He is never said to be phenomenal. We are not considering him as a weekend week out captain to the degree that we really should be. Um, but the other thing that stood out to me when I'm looking at the, the top defenders is that you have three Everton defenders in the top 10 overall in points. Everton midfielders, of, right? You were saying defenders, yeah, but obviously course, we're talking yeah, midfielders. Yeah, yeah, obviously talking about midfielders. Sorry about that. Yeah, so we have three Everton midfielders in the top 10. Decore is third overall for midfielders. Townsend is fourth overall. Andrews Outrageous. Townsend. Outrageous. Outrageous. Nice finish, though, <laughs> to his credit. On, oh, on, beautiful. On yeah, yeah. There have yeah. been ma- many strikers and midfielders this weekend that would have uh, killed to be able to have that quality. It's a of great finish. play. I mean, because the third player is is uh, Damari Gray, who started that goal, yeah. right? Yeah, and, incredible and move. Decor- a credit to Gray for that, for the strength. But Decore, just the way he absolutely assassinates the central defense when he turns and cuts into the middle, insane. Uh, and makes makes it so <laughs> easy fun. for Townsend. He's a fun play. He's an easy player to like. He's just a fun player to watch, right? Yeah. Like even as like a neutral, he's just a fun. Like he's just a total Roman. He's an agent ass. of chaos. Like he's, he is. Yeah. He is, he's he's like good enough, but also also he's just yeah. unpredictable in that way. We talk about we talk about Yaya Torre too much in this podcast. Like I think we have to have a moratorium on bringing up the Torre, <laughs> Aaron Ramsey. So like there there are listeners of this podcast who weren't born when yeah. when Torre when that <laughs> season happened. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But but it reminds me. A little bit of that Yaya Torre season where Torre, typically more of a central midfielder, uh, just was like given kind of free reign that season. Or maybe he was just a little lucky. I don't know. It felt, it felt like he was more attacking that season. And uh, he scored 20 goals. And I, I don't think Decore is is on that track. But Decore 
even if you got, I mean, if Takori scores 10 goals this season as a 5.5 million midfielder, that'd be remarkable, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I think the question around Everton, though, looking at Townsend and Takori both is a question of fixtures and they could prove, they could prove me wrong, but they have had a very kind opening to the season. You look at where Decore has returned a goal against Southampton assist against Leeds Leeds in game week two, where they're, their defense was absolutely rocking Burnley awful uh, and Norwich in, in game week six, Manchester United, of course they weren't ready for Everton. So anyway, I, I don't mean to put people off Everton, but I am very curious to see where Everton go from here because like, I mean, it's, it's exciting. Like I hope they kick on and I hope they continue to put up these numbers against the rest of the league. But uh, I think they've had some pretty kind fixtures. Yeah, they have some kind of fixtures. I mean, you know, they're really not over yet, though. I mean, which is part of what's interesting. I mean, they West Ham, Watford, Wolves, Spurs in the next four. I mean, yeah. pretty decent. It, it's really, it, you know, after that, that, that's when they finally. Watch out, Kiko kept, Firmino owners. Yeah, I know. Well, let's, let's see what happens with Ranieri now. I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's game weeks 12 through 17. That's when they finally play Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea. So I think I think you can still I mean, I, as a Damari Gray owner, I'm. I'm definitely thinking about this a little bit but i mean for me i i'm holding for four weeks most likely and then uh and then i'll reevaluate from there but i think um you know i mean things they have a great run again right around the right around december um so it may be time to i it just i just think it's interesting i just think it's, yeah. it, it speaks yeah. out what a good job rafa benitez has done and that um i mean just uh, overall i think that um one of my other kind of big themes this season is that um the I said bottom half of the table. Maybe I mean something like the the teams, the, maybe the seventh through fifteenth best teams. Let's say that um, the kind of middle of the table. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty strong this year, and I think that it's uh, it's offering a a lot of fantasy value. I think you know players like uh, Ismail Sar clearly right. You know, yeah. falls in that category too, um, even though he didn't have a pretty good game um, away at Leeds. I also think that it's offering fewer gimme wins for uh for champions league like top four clubs and i think that that is an important thing to keep in mind because i think that um I, even this week right this idea was like well it was okay to minus four in a chelsea defender because they were just you know that's a gimme clean sheet for them right there you know home to <laughs> southampton and oh, uh yeah and it's just a, kind of this feeling that like but I, I think and we saw that with man united at home to um villa the week before right where villa picked up that win and and it's it's what, what Rude, city like, southampton yeah, City Southampton, exactly. And so I think the yeah, exactly. The, you can, every all the top teams you can pick. Obviously, Brentford, Liverpool too, right? So I think you know you see time and again this season that you can't bank on um, on just like I guess when, especially when it comes to clean sheets, but just in general, like you don't kind of know what you're going to get in a lot of these kind of mid table clashes. And I think that feels different than last year. I don't know if it's you know yeah. uh, there was one of the comments come uh, came from Oaks who said. Uh, Fans are back and it's complicating things. I miss the good old days of silent stadiums. <laughs> and uh -huh. it was, it did feel like you you were getting more garden variety ass kickings last year. Oh yeah. Right? Where, the, yeah. The classic, like, well, in a vacuum, this team would beat this team. And we had that. Right. It was like the perfect scientific uh, laboratory last season for ass kickings. <laughs> and, and now, yeah. now there are too many, um, I'm not a laboratory laboratory uh, person obviously so i don't know what the terminology is but it's not a perfect perfect experience right now 
No, it, it isn't. And I think that's, um, I mean, and, and clearly like, you know, we're still, I think we're still figuring out the theme. Uh, and it's, it's fun to think about just cause I, I think, um, I mean, another way to think about this really is, and maybe this is kind of what I hope I feel like I'm doing a lot of meta podcast stuff. On Go this. on. Maybe the international break is making me thoughtful or something, but I, I think, you know, it is, it's fun to think about this stuff, right? Like it's like, it's fun. Like, you know, think if you just play fantasy and all you do is think about your transfers and your overall rank, like you're kind of missing out on some of the fun of, of <laughs> yeah. the game, right? And it's yes. sort of like solving the 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 systems puzzle, like figuring out what the way where to set things up, figuring out who to, like which teams are good, which teams are bad, which ones to target. Like that that is part of the fun for me, you know. And it's I mean, if you get a little too binary about like I've got to solve X problem, yeah. What which Y player should I pick? Um, I, it doesn't seem as. I mean, I think that's you know if if, you're, if your investment level in fantasy is about five minutes a week, then that's totally fine. Uh, but if you're spending a lot of time, like if this is like your, if it's five of, minutes like, a week, Josh, they are not tuning, tuning into the hour that's plus true. long. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if fantasy is your like magic, the gathering or whatever, you know, like the, thing <laughs> yeah. that you, the game that you spend too much time on and you get too invested in, then thinking about this kind of stuff is going to make the game more fun for you. So yeah. Any final thoughts, Brandon, on these, on these, um, stats, these, uh, you know, the just the, I, I, not even stats really just the tallies of, of points that these players have scored so far. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we've covered it. I think my final thought would go back to Chelsea and Marcus Alonso is really one that sticks out as we look at the, his magnificent 39 points, but game week seven was a huge pivot point for uh, the Chelsea defense and Marcus Alonso because so many assets finally entered into the conversation. You've got Ben Chilwell, Cesar Azpilicueta, who you were shouting last week. Um, I don't know. What do you think about what's going on with Chelsea? And this is perhaps foolish for us to try to predict, but is Marcus Alonso uh, done and dusted? Has he been Danny Ingsd? So uh, for for the rest yeah. of the season, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I wouldn't have him on a wild card. I'll say yeah, that much. I think right. that I think if there was one thing I'll say about Chelsea, it's that Aspilicueta and Rudiger are the two starters you could trust. Surprisingly, Thiago Silva, I guess, uh, probably like is in that category. He's so, I mean, at this point, like his minutes just have to get managed. Even like a even a, a a club that didn't rotate as much would have to rotate his minutes a little bit just because he is like I think he's like thirty six or. Something like that. So I, you know, I think um, I would just get, I would get Ospl. I mean, that's you know, I mean, even, I mean, the James thing. I don't really know. You know, like James had this, you know, incredible. He's a little bit like the um, the Ferran Torres of defense, right? Where, you know, in the end, James has only had one big match. Uh, he in game week two, he scored eighteen points, had a goal and assist and clean sheet, uh, and then he has a one pointer game week one, a one pointer game week three, and a one pointer game week six, and he yeah. hasn't played the other three matches. Yeah. So uh, it's a weird one with him, right? Like, yeah. how do you evaluate him? It's hard to say. I just think that the really tricky thing with this theme of the story so far is this theme and uh, what we're seeing right now from the Premier League season as fantasy managers requires so much faith because I still feel strongly in a lot of players in which it requires faith, mainly Ivan Tony, where you. you You've seen some fantasy returns, but not all of them. And I would predict more to come. And it's similar with the Ronaldo Lukaku debate where in in a sense, it feels like points have dried up for the cash that you're putting in from your fantasy budget. I just have faith that the 
these players still have so much to offer and will come good. Certainly more more will come from them than the people who return like James Ward Prowse uh yeah. this week. So so it's sort of like it it is just a very tricky jumping off point from game week seven into the international break where yeah. I feel like we the story is sort of like what you've seen and what the stats are saying, but not necessarily the fantasy game yeah. is telling you. Yeah. And I, I think what I think what I <laughs> I think I think I think I think I think I think what uh I want to do with this pod is kind of start the conversation, like get people's brains thinking about it a little bit. Maybe this is a yeah. question we revisit four weeks from now. Right. And it's yeah. like, it doesn't to be like the whole, like a whole podcast builds around it, but just like kind of like a check-in, like as the story, you know, we had a bunch of different ideas that we threw out there. Has anything changed? It's like a, it's like a murder mystery, right? We've got, yeah. you know, 13, uh, possible, <laughs> 13 possible murderers, you know, let's see if well, we can narrow any, it down. Like any predictions then Josh as to who did it? Was it the Butler? So if we, if we check in yeah. four weeks from now, give yeah. me one prediction as to, uh, what the narrative will be then yeah. that is somewhat different from now. Well, uh, that's a good, that's a good one. I mean, I think wh- here's wh- what I think. I think that Ronaldo and Lukaku are going to start both racking up <laughs> a lot of goals. And I think that yeah. it is going to, they're going to have weeks where they're both like I, I could see them having like multiple weeks where they're both have scoring double digit yeah. returns, and I think that the story could suddenly flip. I mean, one of the one of the things we've got here uh, is from Boston Proverbs says, you know, we had a rush of premium strikers only to find out they weren't premiums. But I think, I think we have to keep in mind still, it, it, even though we kind of don't want to because it, it it's annoying to think about this, and I want to just kind of be past and have an opinion on it. But you know, Lukaku is still. I mean, when when did he play his first match? Was game week three? Um, and Ronaldo, you know, kind of the same. And these players have just not spent a lot of time with their squad still, right? And they both went away for international breaks. And so I think, um, you know, we're only seven weeks into a 38-week season. So I think that, that that's one thing I, I think could change is that we could start seeing the premium players rise to the top. It'd be very, yeah. like, very surprising to me if St. Maxim was still above <laughs> Lukaku yeah. and Ronaldo four weeks from now. I totally agree with you. I was going to say the exact same thing regarding the premium striker. So on that note, Josh, should we take a quick break and come back and we've got some listener questions that we can run through? Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Brad, we're back. A, key, a few listener questions, kind of supplement what we've been talking about here a little bit. Uh, that Joe guy says, Salah side, and, you know, there's just, we don't, I mean, we haven't talked about Salah too much in this podcast. What can I say? I mean, he's just, he's been awesome, right? He's been yeah. so dominant and good. <laughs> uh, he said, there are almost no set and forget options this year. From 4.5 keepers to 12 million mids, you need to be constantly chopping and changing. I think that's really, that is that is just something that, that you have to say, you know, not even like, if you're not projecting ahead at all, that's the game, the Josh. That's that, that's what fantasy is: yeah. chopping and changing. It's true. I, although, I, again, I, I usually you have a couple more locks in your team, right? I look at I look at my squad right now, and the only proper lock, and I even I moved Trent on my wildcard, right? So the only proper lock in my team, one through fifteen, is Mo Salah, and yeah. everyone else could be moved. And I don't feel that strongly about. And that is an like I feel like in a typical season, seven weeks in, I would have. Yeah, I'd have a Stuart Dallas or something, right? Where I was just like, oh, well, Stuart Dallas is 4.5. By the way, Josh, is it yeah. is it not insane what has happened to Stuart Dallas this season? Like not Force a the single yeah. return? Feels, feels so bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's got he's got a knock. Poor guy. Yeah. Jeez. He's he can, you know, he didn't get one assist. He got an assist for Luke, uh for Luke Ailing and the uh remember that Ailing Screamer game. Oh, he was he had the assist. Okay. All right. My bad, Dallas. So one. Yeah, 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 one. Um, yeah. So I think I think I think he's right. And I think um I, I would like a little more stability. Um I don't know. Maybe I don't. I, I, I mean I guess it's been it's been stressful for me because um, I, you know, I'm just, in a, again, in this like four week run, I mean, clearly things have gone pretty well. Otherwise I wouldn't be at 68 K. And so I don't want to like, just make it sound like I'm like, a, I've just like screwed up my season or whatever. But like, I think the thing about like having so many different options is I've been feeling a little bit like I've been making the wrong choices. You yeah. know, it's like, I feel like I've been like picking between a and B and I've gone with a, it's like, I'm at like the roulette table. Right. And I just like, I, I it's like every time I, I go red, I should have gone black. And I felt that way for about four weeks now um, that I've just been sort of like, um, it's not that I'm not trusting my instincts. It's just that I'm just, I'm just gambling and I'm just getting the, yeah. like I'm getting my gambles sure. wrong. And so, um, so I think that is the one thing is like, with, you know, when you have so few set and forget options, you are in a position where you're making a lot of choices. And I yeah. think that is that, that can be kind of stressful sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. The more choices you have, the more opportunities you have to get it wrong. But yeah. you know, you, I, I feel like, I would we we would want to suggest that look at it optimistically. If you feel like you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of players that you want to set and forget, you have an opportunity to reform your strategy and to and yeah. to improve and get better. I mean, I I think the uh, unspoken trend that's come out of this conversation is defense and uh, not overthinking your defense. And if I look at my squad, set and forgets would. 100% be Rudiger and Diaz and Cancelo yeah, Rudiger. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Rudiger belongs in that category. I think Rudiger just has to. And look at those goalkeeper stats of like, it was, it's Allison, Ederson, Loris and Mendy. Loris, how he got in there is just on the back of some incredible performances by Spurs in the first three weeks. But I just think at the end yeah. of the season, Spur, uh, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool and city defenses are just going to be absolutely elite. So find 
your City, Chelsea, and Liverpool defender of choice and stick with them and don't yeah. look back. I think you're right. It's it's funny in a, in a way that Cancelo and Diaz both picked up zero pointers uh, this week to like just really upend that narrative, you know, <laughs> just going yeah. ahead of all these game week right, eight wild right. cards. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah. that is what leads managers to wild carding in game week eight versus seven and international break is a luxury for sure. And I, and I, I feel that because I decided to preemptively go yeah. the wild card and, and, and I agree, like it was all yeah. to get in heavily on that city defense and to come Did out. You- Rudiger, Mendy, kind of math. I was sorry. Just, oh, I'm just curious. Did you any kind on. of math in your head, like what you, how many points you would have scored if you hadn't wild carded? I, I, I can't help but do it sometimes when I wild card. Like what, what would I, what would my, you know, what would my points total have been if I didn't wild card? Like, did you do that in your head at all? Uh, sure. So, uh, uh, Rudiger came in for Luke Shaw who had like what a one pointer and then Alexander Arnold is out for a city defender, Sufal would have come in for uh, one pointer. pointer. Uh, Mento probably would have eked into my starting eleven. So yep. that is really what I gave up. So I I'm not mad at what happened on my uh, wild card because, like, looking at my bus team for game week eight, I've got Cancelo and Diaz starting at the Etihad against Burnley up there with Norwich is just like one of the worst teams that's ever been in the premier league in the last decade. And, uh, Ben white home palace and Rudiger, uh, away Brentford. So, you know, yeah. you just, the, the wild card, the wild card is, is just like the worst thing. Yeah. The first week you play it. I, Cred- I, credit to Norwich for finally getting a point, you know, they finally yeah. have one point. On no, season. that actually pisses me off, Josh, because everyone <laughs> wants, like, if you're going to fail, fail in the most incredible way. And no, we all wanted to see Norwich get zero points this season. Admit it. <laughs> No, hey, I'm not. You know, we may have to visit East Anglia someday, Brandon. So I think yeah, okay, you I'll watch, watch your, myself. Watch yeah. your tongue here a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I. So it sounds like you would have been. Um, I mean, okay. I, I. I. Here's what I'll say. Uh, you and I both had pretty weak to terrible game weeks, uh, but we picked the right game week to have weak to terrible game weeks, right? Yeah. Like it didn't yeah. really, like there was no, I, I suppose if you Captain Salah, like all credit to you and you deserve uh, the the big rank boost that came with that. And and obviously, you know, him and has turned out to be a great option as well, but kind of outside those two, there just weren't, there wasn't a ton of, I mean, if you had asked Plaquetta, right? Um, like, you know, just they're like, but again, like you can name almost on one hand, the number of players who delivered this week. Um, and so if you're going to have a, a minus eight, totally blow up in your face, you don't want it to blow up in your face when like Ronaldo has a hat trick and you don't have your team or something, yeah, right. you know, it's like, so it kind of like, we kind of got away with it a little bit. Um, and I guess that's good. You know, it's important to keep in mind. Merely a flesh wound, Josh. Exactly. Exactly. All right. A couple more, uh, FPL mix is having a strong bench with the uncertainty over players such as Alonzo to the injuries of many key FPL assets. Uh, mix has a strong bench is saving from red arrow consistently. They don't have to be expensive either. Lieberman,to and Allen have been brilliant for me. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We haven't talked about the bench stuff enough, but I think that has really, um, if you've had a strong bench this season, I, I Ben White has come in for me. Uh, Lieberman,to I know came in for a lot of people this week. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a fair point. Totally agree. And that, is probably understated in our conversation about the the top tens in those positions, defensive midfield striker. There is so much value represented by 
like to bring in Ben White as a starting central defender for Arsenal as a basically a fourth defender feels like such a luxury. And I cannot, you know, as, as a punchline, as much as a, of a punchline as Arsenal have been over the last few seasons, I just feel like it's one of the better values that we've seen in the last couple of years for, for Ben White at 4.4. And Livermento is, yeah, obviously the season's Lundstrom. And that's really what you need to strengthen your bench with defense, defensive assets. I wouldn't waste too much time thinking about who your mid, uh, your fifth midfielder is, whether it's Allen or Brownhill or yeah. um, or the like. Just make sure that they're consistently starting. I think that has really been what has bitten a lot of managers uh, is the Billy Gilmore. He's just not getting yeah. minutes. So yeah. that is that. As far as the midfield is concerned, that's the one thing you want to avoid. Uh, the I, the four point yeah. five plays that just doesn't play. I will say Allen's little point one price rise scared a lot of people off on wildcard, including me. And I feel like maybe it shouldn't because I actually do think he is the pick of that of that four point five million bracket. I know he's point one more, but um, I don't know. It's just like he's got like a just, it's just the way that that Rafa has set it up there. Right. Or it just yeah. feels like that midfielders uh, kind of everyone in that midfield is given a chance to, to bomb forward. I mean, Allen won a penalty. Like, how did Allen ever get far enough forward to win a penalty a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do wonder if it has something to do with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin being out of the squad and yeah, there being sort of room for some of these other players to push up. But yeah, again, to Benitez, Benitez's credit is how well they're playing even without their star number nine. Yeah, super, super impressive. Um, all right. So just, uh, yeah, two more. Okay. First of all, FPL Dan, and I'm gonna take these two together. FPL Dan and Evan said, Dan says the incredible value and range of players are disposable in the, in the budget midfield price point. And then Evan says the midfield wasteland from Rafinha's price all the way to Salah. Brandon, the, the we've talked a little bit about the Dan, <laughs> which is the range of players in the budget bracket, which is definitely true. There's yeah. a ton, but yeah. have we ever had a season where, from 6.5 million to 12 million, there was almost nobody yeah. that you wanted. Like that is truly odd. Like very it, unusual. Yeah, it really is wild. And when I first popped the wild card uh, on Friday, I jumped into a Twitter space with our friend Patty, FPL Viking, and I was trying out this idea with my triple Chelsea was going to be Rudiger, Havertz, and... Uh, Lukaku and everyone in this Twitter space is like, oh, really interesting team there, Brandon. Uh, one thing that jumped out at me was Kai Havertz. What is <laughs> you've your? Had a, you've had a thing for him all year. <laughs> I do, and and I I've had a thing for him and for Sancho and all these players that fill because I, I feel this gravitational pull to any midfielder that has attacking prowess who is in that eight to nine million area yeah. and. The argument Phil Foden is now maybe possibly, but I would say like Phil Foden is more in the Joe to Greenwood bracket just by virtue of his price. Like how expensive is Foden? Is he seven point nine? Yeah, seven point nine, just under. Okay, just under. Uh, but there was just something so uh, useful about a midfielder in that price bracket because of how you can sort of pivot around them. Uh, but that all that only works if there are other attacking midfielders that you want to jump from like another 8.5. I feel like most seasons you have a couple of 8.5s or somebody in that eight, 
uh, like 7.5 to 9.5. And uh, as as the question illuminates, there there isn't anyone. So when you try to make the argument of, oh, I'll just try Kai Havertz, and if it doesn't work, I'll just jump to the other guy in that uh, price area. And they do not exist. So this is this is the problem. Or actually, I think what we're learning, what the story is, Josh, through Game Week 7, is this is actually really useful. It is taken one problem uh away from us we don't have to figure out how to balance that midfield uh we we can we can leave our budget concerns to our front line and our defenders yeah a 4-3-3 right now feels like a super viable and maybe an optimal way to play um all right one last question and this is a one last uh note i guess and this 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 wraps things up it kind of gets back to what you said before but it is a good um i didn't want to start it off I don't want to start off with this one, Brandon, because it um, it undermines the pond a little bit. Uh, but I think oh, there's a, there's a fair there's a fair point here from Ben, which is Ben Ben Gautier says the story is we still don't know. We don't know if we should have two or three premiums. We don't know if we should go big at the back. We don't know who the best season long goalkeeper is. We don't know who Chelsea's wingbacks are. We don't know what midfielders to have besides Salah. We don't know if Jamie Vardy is going to keep scoring every game. We don't know how the Brazil. We don't know why the Brazilian FA hates the Premier League. We don't know <laughs> when West Ham is going to start playing their best keeper and maybe keep a few clean yeah. sheets. Yeah, kind of nails it. Takes a little bit out of the fun, out of the discussion. But I think he's he's onto something here. It's all about the journey, right, Ben? I mean, yeah, uh, Josh, right. you and I uh, both took the same English course at Michigan State with Yael Almiron, and it was a lot sure. about the journey home. Hero's journey. Homer's odyssey. You start yeah. you start at your home base, and you have to go there and back again, much like Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. We are in game week seven. We haven't even gotten to uh, where all the bad stuff happens, and then to the point <laughs> where we had to come back home. So of course yep. we don't know yet, and um, I, I I guess the where we could land on a positive note here, Josh, is we shouldn't approach this point as uh, something that should strike fear in our minds that we the fact that we don't know, but it yeah. should strike um, us with the idea of opportunity, uh, and that yeah. you still have plenty of time to figure out what the narrative is you still have plenty yeah. of time to get yeah. the right players in yeah. and to change the course of the water cooler conversations that you have in the office you got bob in accounting yeah. who's kicking your ass in the mini league well i'm sorry yeah. bob it's only we're only seven weeks in you're going to be paying <laughs> me via yeah. venmo uh in in a few months i'm That's sure true. God, we're not even 20 percent of the way through the season that is wild a long way to go feels like we've been I feel like I, maybe because the season's been very engaging and, and really fun. And I think that's why um, I, I feel much more invested. I feel like last season without the fans there, it was like, well, they're putting on a product and yeah. you know, God bless them. But this year uh, feels like there's a lot of different ways to enjoy it. I, I am going to, and I think maybe, you know, part of the reason I wanted to do this theme for this week's pod is I am, I'm going to try to have more fun and not get so caught up in my own overall rank. And I think that, um, I think that getting just too caught up in that kind of stuff it, to me at some point you if you, if you if you can't enjoy the narrative stuff even even the FPL narrative stuff like the kind of meta on top of the game like you kind of reach a point where you're just like what's the point here like what am I doing you know like sure. it, because it's just like why am I um investing this much in this right I could go I could go put money into a you know DraftKings or something you know and just gamble <laughs> Well you on meet a, very, you, you know, meet a rich like, man yeah. Josh you meet a rich man and 
you talk to him about, oh, how did you become so rich? And he's like, well, I, I made my money and I saved it and it's all here in this bank and I never yeah. spent it. Yeah. You're in a position, Josh, where, you know, you've accumulated enough overall rank that you you're you're a rich man as far as FPL is concerned. It's time for you to go out and spend some of that money. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be um, who's the. Uh, What's the, he's the Belgian uh, detective, you know, the famous Christie, you know, the... Uh, um, oh, the Belgian <laughs> detective? Yeah, you know, the Belgian detective. <laughs> I can't think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the famous uh, Poirot. Poirot. Oh. Her- Hercule Poirot, the Belgian okay. detective. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name for a second there. Uh, Poirot. Yeah, it's like, in order for the game to be fun, you you want to you want to be, you want to have a little bit of Poirot. You want to feel like you can solve the puzzle, right? The murder mystery of the season. Like, what, what, how do I crack this thing? How do I, how do I beat the game? And so um, that has to be fun. Or you have to find out, you know, like, you, if, if that's, if that is not part of how you're watching fantasy, you might be missing out on some of the fun stuff because I think uh, the act of trying to answer that question is what get, introduces you to people on Twitter or on our Slack or on wherever forum you are on Reddit, right? And it's like, that's when you start to like meet your friend, like uh, people who become friends with you because like you either argue with them or you agree with them. And, you know, it's sort of like, that's that's where the fun stuff actually happens. It's like in the in the solving of those puzzles. So anyway, that's- um, Josh, you just made me thing. so angry to realize that uh, Kenneth Branagh has been playing a Belgian detective for- for a couple of Poirot movies, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not right. Where, yeah. where are the yeah. where are the great Belgian actors of our know. era? A lot of move. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. A how about just get like? How about let's get Marouane Fellaini to play Poirot uh, in, in a blockbuster <laughs> movie? How, how cool would that I be? I want to see Lukaku and Fellaini. Uh, play like a, yeah. like a Sherlock like a and Watson. Fright. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening to the pod. I uh, hope you enjoyed the international break. We'll be back next Sunday with a fresh pod. We'll have some international to talk about. Maybe some U.S. transnational team talk will slip in there as well. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how I'm feeling after their, their first match this week. Uh, but once again, if you want to chat with us this week, next and on, uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. And Brandon, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, absolutely. Big thanks to our producers who make it all possible. Thanks to Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, the big gaffer, Bobas Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skoging, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov at FPL Merch. Kerry Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue No Stew, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Marjoria, Ram Frost, AJ, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Robbie, Todd Byerly, Alper Paxoy, Martin Osbeth, Lee Hickman, Vulgar, Paxson, Kruger, Vulgar Paulson Kruger, Josh. I get that wrong every week. Jazz bidding Francis Moore, who is the uh, Patreon manager of the month. Welcome to the Dean's List, Francis Moore. Also managed by Lasso and our newest producer patron, James Keatley. Remember, never miss an episode of All These Cheating. Give us a rating, review, and subscribe, whatever. Uh, And so on. And wherever you get fine podcasts, follow us on Twitter at Hail Cheaters. Wherever you get fine social media, email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com for all this information and more. 
visit us at alwayscheating.com. All right. Good luck, everybody. Do some apple picking or something. Don't don't spend your Saturday watching. <laughs> Actually, it's the World Cup qualifiers. I guess they're a little more. I was going to do my, my typical, like, don't waste your energy in the international friendlies. But, uh, but football's I mean, great, Josh. Course. Watch yeah. international qualifying. Yeah, if, yeah, if, exactly. if, and it should be, be fun. What do I know? What do I know about having fun? <laughs> exactly. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye.